Hey up, I'm Nathan Human. get the kettle on, this is The Biscuit Reviews. On this episode we have a sci-fi double bill of TV shows, The Peripheral and Silo. Let's see what Biscuits needed opening today. Prime Video and Apple TV haven't been shy about splashing the cash on producing ambitious big TV shows even if they're not quite so willing to use that money to pay their writers and actors fairly. Both The Peripheral on Prime Video and Silo on Apple TV are based on novels and both feature leading female characters who are trying to work out mysteries relating to their past and futures and what is actually real. But do either take the top biscuit rating or do they just, well, take the biscuit? Let's start with The Peripheral, based on the book of the same name by William Gibson. What's better than a sci-fi show that builds up a fascinating futuristic world populated with intriguing characters and ideas that make you go, ooh, yes, two fascinating futuristic worlds populated. The year is 2032 and we're in Canton County, Blue Ridge Mountains, in the aftermath of a civil war where times are hard and prices and suspicions are high. And so are some of the local residents. Chloe Grace Moretz plays Flynn. In her 20s and struggling to look after her sick mother and pay for her medication, her ex-soldier brother Burton, played by Jack Rayner, is making money by being a gamer online for hire. And after Flynn helps him complete one job, he reveals that he has a big opportunity lined up. The big job is to use an experimental headset sent by a mysterious client you see, immediately you should be like, wait, wait a minute, who, what, mysterious? No, I'm not doing any of that. Anyway, once you put the headset on, you don't need a controller as you are the avatar and you control it by thinking. This means that you can feel what the you in the game is feeling, including pain, which is where I would be rubbish because I'm always bumping into things on games. I'd be in permanent pain. That is, it's a terrible idea. As the better player, Flynn goes first and finds herself piloting a body in 2099, London. A voice in her head is talking her through a James Bond-like mission. Fast bikes, glamorous cars, a high society party, seduction and violence. Is this like your other Sims? No, I can feel things. Everything. Pain too, so you've been warned. Who are you? The voice in your head. I tell you what to do, and you do it. That's how you earn your keep. When she goes back the next day for the next part of the mission, it all feels a little too real. And when Flynn gets back to her time, it seems that the two worlds are connected in ways she can't yet imagine. What would people in the future want in this past? And why would the future need someone from the past? This is an ambitious sci-fi that has lofty aspirations of combining philosophical conversations, complex manipulations of time, and the power of the state and corporations and how they use people. Oh, and most definitely that sci-fi favourite of the dangers of tech and robots taking over. If you're thinking, hey, oh, this sounds familiar, then maybe that's because it's produced by some of the same people responsible for Westworld and Person of Interest. 
namely Noreen O'Toole and Jonathan Nolan. If you're a fan of those, you'll probably go for this too. And if you thought they had some glaring flaws, well, firstly, me too. And secondly, The Peripheral has some similar flaws. It's complicated, lots of po-faced, serious chats explaining the plot, some one-dimensional characters, but there is more variety and intrigue here. We also get some innovative technology in both timelines and some spectacular action that matches, maybe even surpasses, what you might get on the big screen. Oh, and throw in some invisible cars, biological tech and telepathically linked soldiers. They're just a few of the devices deployed. Now, I like nonsense stuff that has convoluted plots and ridiculous mysteries that keep popping out of other mysteries like 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 a magical Russian doll. So think of any show that kept adding twists and not properly resolving them and, you know, I probably enjoyed it. But I absolutely understand anyone that bows on this one because they say, the heck is that now? One too many times. I did occasionally feel like I needed a glossary to keep track of the jargon. Stubs, peripherals, the clep, pults and the expanding cast of characters in both timelines. And I'll also acknowledge that I can often enjoy things that aren't very good. The Peripheral has some grand designs that would have even Kevin MacLeod exasperated at the scale and opulence. I really do wonder if this amazing design represents more art than architecture, more epic statement than cosy home, more money than sense. For the $175 million budget, this series delivers some impressive visuals. But then again, that's a bit like saying, hmm, this 20 quid cup of coffee has a real coffee taste. Does anyone pay 20 quid for a coffee? I bet someone does. So yes, look, it rightly looks good. It also sounds good. The soundtrack is fun. Although perhaps a little more sure-footed and connected in the Blue Ridge Mountain setting, with some bluesy, rocky country tracks livening things up, Thanks for getting me into Colton Wool. Sunshine beating on the good times, moonlight raising from the grave. String band playing more that honky tonks, pretty young thing going dancing in the rain. describes this series for me too, one half feeling more accomplished than the other. In fact, the 2032 sections probably have more in common with a western in terms of the characters and setup. The storylines and relationships here are much easier to follow and connect with. When we step to the London of 2099, it's a tad more chaotic and harder to keep up with. Although, once Tania Miller shows up, you can pretty much forget about the plot and just enjoy her being smoothly terrifying. If you're thinking of giving this series a go, a quick heads up. The first episode is long. How long? Well, it's close to 70 minutes long, but it does give you enough to know what it's all about, what the show is going to be like, and it ends with a suitable cliffhanger. So you'll know if it's something you want to have in front and centre of your viewing vision, or if it will remain on the periphery. (laughs) Oh dear. My biscuit rating? A Viscount can sometimes be a bit hard to get into, and you might enjoy the contrasting flavours as a bit of a luxury, or just confusing. You can stream all of Season 1 now on Prime Video. I was all prepped to tell you that Season 2 had been confirmed when right after finishing writing this, it was announced that the renewal had been cancelled and the whole show was now shelved. 
They blamed the strikes, because of course they did. Before we get to the next review, maybe there's a hidden gem of a book, TV show or podcast that you'd like to share. If so, get in touch. You could share your thoughts in written form, record a short voice memo, or maybe we can record a conversation for the podcast. Totally up to you. You can find the contact info and social media accounts at thebiscuitreviews.co.uk, which is also where you can find all the other reviews and past episodes. Right, okay, on with Apple TV's Silo. After a catastrophe destroys the planet's atmosphere, a society of 10,000 people survive in an underground silo, eking out a bare existence following strict societal rules. But it's more hidden beneath the surface than just their homes. Apple TV continues its move to be the place for grand and thoughtful sci-fi with its adaptation of Hugh Howey's book series. There is much to admire about Silo, especially the fact that when I got a notification that a new episode was out, I could sing along about its arrival to the tune of Beyonce's Halo. Lovely stuff. If The Peripheral was a highbrow espionage type action thriller with hints of a western and conspiracy all thrown together in a very expensive dress, then Silo is a much more down-to-earth detective mystery in its well-worn trench coat. Rebecca Ferguson, she of Mission Impossible and The Greatest Showman, is our hard-boiled detective Juliet, who unexpectedly gets promoted from the depths of engineering to the higher rank of sheriff. She uses a spate of deaths that those in charge want neatly covered up to dig around deeper mysteries in the silo. We are well into the future and 140 years after a civil war, people live in this underground silo that neatly matches society's hierarchy. Those in charge live in relative comfort towards the top, whilst down at the bottom are the mechanics and engineers who keep the lights on and the heat working. And there isn't much prospect of changing your circumstances in the silo, as people tend to stay generation after generation on the same level, doing the same work, as there is no mechanised transport allowed. This is one of the many rules in The Pact that governs the silo, along with one around relics, old objects from the time before. These relics and old technologies are all strictly regulated and monitored. Another key rule is that no one is allowed outside. In fact, being sent outside to clean the camera lenses that beam back a view of the desolate outside world is seen as the ultimate punishment. If you say, I want to leave the silo, then leave you will, and it's seen as a death sentence. A futuristic sci-fi version of walking the plank that is watched by an audience hoping you'll survive in your spacesuit, but no one ever does. You do not know why we are here. You do not know who built the silo. We do not know why everything outside the silo 
is as it is. We do not know when it will be safe to go outside. We only know that day is not today. On behalf of the people of the silo, I hope that you will claim so that we will better see the world outside our sanctuary as it is, and thereby be reminded that here is safe, and there is not. Have you any last words? When two high-profile people ask to go outside, it tips the dominoes onto a bigger mystery as people die, go missing, and we find out who really is making the rules and staying in charge. I'm aware this might sound a bit odd, but if you're a fan of gritty, grimy detective shows that uncover dark mysteries, then don't let the sci-fi tag throw you with this one. If you also get a bit of a thrill from conspiracy theories and cover-ups and ooh, the people in charge are up to something type shenanigans, then you'll probably get a kick out of Silo. It is no glossy, high-tech, universe-exploring sci-fi for which you need a guidebook and a translator, but a tense, nervy, gripping mystery thriller. The clues in the trail that Juliet follow are cleverly and patiently pieced together, and I suspect will reward a second viewing when you go back and pretend you noticed something all along. It throws in plenty of shocks and surprises, and early on you realise that this is one of those shows where you can't take any character safety for granted. For all the brilliant mystery, perhaps the highlight episode is almost a standalone one about the dangerous failure of the generator that keeps them all alive. It is almost unbearably tense. I'm normally a pretty passive viewer, but I was literally inching to the edge of my seat with my hands over my mouth. The cast is full of familiar faces and you can play my favourite game of ooh, where do I know them from? Rebecca Ferguson is given a lot to do with carrying the show as Juliet, the brilliant but obstinate and distant engineer who left her life of comfort as a doctor's daughter to learn her trade down below after the death of her mother. We step to the different levels of her character in the same way we step into the different levels of the silo. Slowly, deliberately, her mannerisms and spirit speak of someone who is used to fixing things and getting her hands dirty and Ferguson deftly shows us all that suffering, even when she's being belligerent. If this was a detective show set in 2023 America, she would defo be up for the mainstream awards and spoken about like Kate Winslet was for Mayor of Easttown. Will Patton as the deputy and Geraldine James as the mayor elevate one storyline to something far more touching than it has any right to be. But the two standouts are the always ace Harriet Walker, who plays Juliet's surrogate mother, and Chinaze Uche, who arrives to bring a compelling balance to Juliet as their investigation veers off course into dangerous territory. And just a quick small aside, it does tickle me that so many futuristic stories resort back to what seem like very old-fashioned society structures and titles. Mayor? Sheriff? Do we all think our future is simply a retread of the past? Note to self, remember to read that book about history repeating, something about 70 years and the four stages of a cycle, whatever. If it's not abundantly clear already, I am mightily pleased that Silo is coming back for season two. Please don't go back on this one, grow a conscience and pay your writers and actors properly. I've bought the first book to the series to tide me over until the second series, but I might have to go back and get the rest of the books, just in case. My biscuit rating? A border dark chocolate ginger. Expertly made and original with intense flavours and plenty of rich aftertaste. If you've seen either of those shows and want to let me know what you think, please do. All contact and social media info, as well as previous episodes, are at thebiscuitreviews.co.uk. 
on the next episode. Oh yeah, we have a treat. Two sci-fi books and the Biscuit Review's first guest as Dr. Rachel Handley chats to me about their short story collection, Possible Worlds and Other Stories. So why not make sure you're subscribing at Apple, Amazon, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss it. And whilst you're there, why not leave a rating and maybe a review if you're feeling kind and thoughtful? Even just a few words help the tricksy little algorithm do its thing and make the podcast more visible to other people. Cheers. I'm off for a brew and a bicky, so until next time, ta-ra.